Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. You have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. We are going to kick off a two-part theme. It's not really a series. It's kind of a, a mini-theme this Sunday and next Sunday, and we've entitled it called. We're going to express and, and, and learn and experience what does it mean to be called by God, and we're really going to look at the life of the Apostle Peter. Okay, we're going to look at two episodes in his life, this Sunday and next Sunday, and it's going to help us to wrap our minds and our spirits around this idea of God's calling for our lives. How many of you know that you've been called by God? There is a purpose for your life. When God created you, when he put you together, when he he saw fit to put you here for such a time as this, there was divine orchestrated blueprints for your life and a kingdom assignment that's on it. Can I have a good amen? You're here for a reason. You're here for a season. You're here for a soul. And I love the, the, of all the disciples, you know, there are 12 disciples. And I don't know if when you read the scriptures, if you kind of role play, if you put yourselves in, in, the, in their journey, in their story, who, who do you identify with the most? Probably the most relatable disciple is Peter. He's probably the most popular. Um, he, he's one of my favorites. I identify a lot with Peter. Whatever Peter did, he did it big. Do you have friends like that in your life? I mean, when they succeed, they succeed big. When they mess up, they mess up big. There's nothing halfway with the apostle Peter. I mean, think about this. This guy walked on water. Turn to your neighbor and say, you ain't never done that. He was the only guy in human history, other than Jesus, to walk on on water. His, the Bible says in the book of Acts that his shadow healed people. How I many you know you can't do that either? I mean, I thought about it. If I was driving down the interstate and kind of the shadow of my truck, you know, came across like, you know, a, a dead dog on the side of the road and that dog just jump up and come alive again. How I many you know that'd be pretty amazing? Yeah, his shadow healed people. He escaped from prison. Turn to your neighbor and say, you ain't done that either. <laughs> Maybe you have. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know. He's in prison, and an angel of the Lord comes and just shackles fall, doors open. He just walks on out of there. I mean, this is the same guy that Jesus looked at and said, hey, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. How many of you know Peter's kind of a big deal? When he succeeded, he succeeded in a big way. When he failed, <laughs> oh, he failed big too. How many of you, your mouth gets you in trouble? I think this is where we can identify the most. I don't know about walking on water. I don't know about my shadow healing anything or anyone, but I know about my mouth messing up. I think Peter was so impulsive, he would speak before he thinks. He bragged about big things. Oh, I'll never deny you, Jesus, never. All of them see it. All of, this is weak sauce. All these other disciples, their weakness. Man, I'll, I'll die before I deny. And what did he do? 
Yeah. You know, Jesus had to rebuke the devil in Peter. Remember when Jesus said, Satan, get thee behind me? <laughs> How do you like to be Peter at that moment? <laughs> do you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was arrested? Who was it that pulled the sword and tried to decapitate the, the, the servant of the high priest? He only got an ear, but he was trying to take his head off. I was thinking about this last night. You know, that there was a Roman battalion that came to arrest Jesus in the garden. That was about 600 men. A battalion is about four to 600. Peter takes a sword. And you know, it's like, Peter, what are you thinking? <laughs> it's 600 to 11. There's only 11 of you in the garden. You only got like one sword. Oh, Peter, what's your next move? He didn't think about his next move. He only thought about his first move. Anybody have friends like that in their life? I, I, love, I love Peter. There's so much that we're going to learn from him this week and next week. I want you to know this. They're the three most important days of your life. The day you were born, the day you're born again, and the day you discover what you were born to do. See, listen, if the devil can't stop you from being born, and he's tried to do that in this country for decades, if he can't stop you from being born or born again, he'll do everything in his power to keep you confused on what you were born to do. And I believe that God has a specific calling. Come on, somebody say, I'm called. You say, but wait a second, Pastor. We're talking about the apostle Peter. I'm not a, an apostle. I'll never be an apostle. I'm a, I'm a student. I'm a teacher. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm in sales. I work at a plant. I'm retired. L listen, you are called to bring glory to God in whatever assignment he's given you. Can I say that again? Your calling is not necessarily to be an apostle like Peter, but you and I are called to bring God glory as a stay-at-home mom, as a school teacher, as a businessman, as a retiree, whatever your current assignment is, I want you to begin to, to ask yourself, how can I bring God glory in my current assignment? How many of you have just looked at somebody and you're like, man, I know they are doing what they were born to do? I think about David Ray. He gets up here. That man was born to preach. Can you say, oh, yeah? Man, you know he is in his divine calling. Some of these singers that, that sing on Sunday, how many know we are blessed with some incredible worship leaders, some talented and gifted? When Al Seed opens his mouth, how many of you, well, what comes out of your mouth is not what's sounding like what comes out of his. Now, when I sing and I'm driving down the road or I'm in the shower and I'm having my own personal private time, I sound just like I'll see. Don't you? We think we do, and God's just like, hey, make a joyful noise. I, I honor that. Sometimes you can look at a person and know they are doing what God called them to do. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. Somebody say Masterpiece. Some translations say we are God's workmanship. Uh, that word masterpiece in the Greek, there's a word for it called poema. It's the word that we get in the English called poem. And a poem is how a poet will express himself. 
In other words, God is saying, we are the expression of God in the earth today. How does God want to express himself in the world? Through you and through me. We are God's masterpiece. And he's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things. So we can do good things he has planned for us long ago. How do we recognize or receive or walk in the fullness of this calling? I believe that Peter's journey is going to shed some light on this for all of us. Turn with me. I want to teach out of Luke chapter 5. Turn with me there in that chapter. And I want to walk through the calling of the apostle Peter. The Bible says in verse 1, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats. Somebody say empty boats. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them, and they were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Now, in these three verses, something significant is is starting to happen, and I want you to see this. There's a progression to Peter's calling, and I think all of us can identify. There's a path that God brings us through to recognize and embrace the call on our lives. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, write down the word availability. Availability. This is a big deal. The Bible says Jesus noticed two empty boats. He stepped into one of them and he says, Peter, can you, can you push out a little bit and let me teach the crowds from there? Uh, availability. This whole thing begins in the apostle Peter. He's not the apostle at this point. In fact, the, the Bible calls him Simon. Jesus has yet to change his name. Uh, Simon doesn't realize what's happening, but Jesus is being very intentional by stepping into Simon's boat. Availability is a big deal. Sometimes God wants to do a thing in your life and you don't even recognize it because you're busy doing your own thing. How many know we get preoccupied with our stuff a lot? Have you ever received a text from a friend that says, hey, are you available tomorrow? How many's ever gotten a text like that? How many of you don't know what to do with a text like that? <laughs> what do you mean? Am I available tomorrow? It's like, it depends. <laughs> I mean, well, like, well, are you going to take me to lunch? I'm available for that, but you're trying to move and you haven't even started packing in boxes yet? I'm not sure I'm available for that. <laughs> I think God is asking a question to some of us today saying, Would you make yourself available? I know you have your plans, and I know you have your schedule, but I've got a divine purpose that may interrupt some things. Sometimes we may miss God's best because we don't make ourselves available to what he wants. Now, notice this. Interesting how in ancient days, most of the teaching would take place in a synagogue, but Jesus is teaching a crowd, and he steps into a boat. This boat represents, for Simon Peter, it represents his profession. It's how he made money. It's how he created resource and revenue to care for his family. I think it's important to say that we don't attach our identity to the things that we do. And and sometimes this is is hard for us in in this culture. You know, when you meet somebody for the first time, hey, my name's so-and-so, what's your name? Once you find out their name, then probably the next question is, hey, well, well, what do you do? 
And so we want to associate a person's identity a lot of times with their doing. And this is dangerous because if, if the business is going great, man, you can feel inflated and feel great about yourself. But if the business is struggling, you may feel poorly about yourself. Pastors do this all the time. When attendance is good, man, we feel good. Man, when offerings are strong, man, we feel great about ourselves. And sometimes we can mistakenly take credit for success that doesn't belong to us. And the flip side of that is equally true. When things aren't going well, then we'll take the blame sometimes and we'll be like, man, I must be a terrible person. Man, things aren't going well at work. They aren't going well in my family. They aren't going well in my marriage. And sometimes we'll feel poorly about ourselves based on what we do. This boat represents Peter's profession, but Jesus was about to change some things in Peter's life. Now, why was it that Jesus asked Peter if he could borrow the boat? Because the boat was empty. Now, think about it. If the boat represents his profession and the boat was empty. See, Peter was struggling that day. It wasn't a good day at work, was it? Numbers were down. There were no fish in that boat. But it's interesting to me how the boat was available because Peter was not successful. Are you with me? Sometimes we feel that Jesus is only attracted to success. Can I tell you, Jesus stepped into Peter's failure. The boat was empty. It was a frustrating day. He had fished and fished and fished and had no success whatsoever. And Jesus said, here's the opportunity that I'm looking to step into. You see, Jesus doesn't step into failure to exploit it. He steps into failure to redeem it. And some of us are getting out of boats that Jesus wants to step into. Will you make yourself available to the purposes of God even when life's not working out for you? Because I think those are the spaces and places where God does his best work. Sometimes we give Peter a hard time you know, for giving up, and Jesus didn't. He says, man, that's the very thing I want to step into. What man abandons, Jesus redeems. Let me ask you this. What areas of your life do you need to make available to Jesus today? Some of us have tried to, to fix things and work on things and make things happen. And man, we're as frustrated as Peter. Fished all night and hadn't caught a thing. And Jesus said, this is the space that I need. Would you let me in? On Sundays, mama used to make a big dinner. How many of you, that's kind of your family routine. On Sundays, there's, 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 there's dinner, and there's family, and there's a gathering. I, I think it's one of the things I love about church. After church, I love being with family, and I love having a big meal. Food makes me happy. And mom, she would, she'd start it on a Saturday night and put something in the crock pot, and it would simmer, and it would slow cook all night. Sunday morning, when we got dressed for church, it just smelled like heaven in that trailer. We go to church. I mean, it was almost finished by the time we left for church. So when we would come home, mom would put the finishing touches on this beautiful meal, and we would eat like kings, and it was just awesome. And then Monday would roll around, and we'd have leftovers. I don't know if you, how many of you, you, you you're okay with leftovers? I grew up on leftovers. I was raised, I didn't know any better. My mama would take what was left over from Sunday, she'd chop it up, she'd put it in a casserole dish, 
She'd add a little cream of mushroom. Come on, talk to me. Talk to me. She'd put the oven on 400 degrees, maybe 325. We're just warming it up. And then give it a little French name. And bon appetit. Here is Monday dinner. I had no idea growing up. I mean, it wasn't until I was older I thought, Mom, you were genius. You took that Sunday spread and you just tweaked it a little bit and you made Mondays amazing. How many know Mama's good like that? You know what? God, He can take your failures, He can take your empty boats, He can chop it up, put a little cream of Holy Spirit in it. Man, turn up the temperature a little bit. Man, God can make something beautiful. You don't even realize what God wants to do if you just make yourself available. Jesus sees the empty boat and says, Peter, can I get into that boat? Let me tell you this. Availability is a big deal. Sometimes we make ability the thing. Can I tell you, God has never been impressed with our ability. I don't think God has ever had this conversation in heaven. I don't, I don't think I've ever, and I'm trying to imagine what the conversation would look like when God first called me. I don't think God turned to Jesus and the Holy Spirit said, hey, you see that? Look at Mike Heyman. Wow. We need a guy like that. We need him on our team. Look at how skilled. Look at how gifted. Man, man, he, ooh, we could really build the kingdom with all that he has to offer. How many know we don't offer God a thing? We offer God an empty boat. We offer God, Lord, here I, nothing in my hands I bring simply to the cross I cling. And you know what? Here's what I love about God. Because when he first called me, he factored in my stupidity already. He already knew that I would mess up. He knew my tendencies. He knew my weaknesses and says, in spite of that, I want to step into the emptiness of his life. I want to do for him what he could never do for himself. That way, when you are walking on water, when your shadow does heal people, man, when you're walking out of prison untouched, man, you know, when, when you get the keys to the kingdom of heaven, you'll never take credit for it because you'll know, man, it's all God. Somebody say availability. Look at the next verse. When Jesus had finished speaking, then he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper. Somebody say deeper. You see, listen, shallow waters were for the others. Shallow waters were for the crowds. Jesus taught in the shallow waters, but he had something deeper for Peter. Are you content with the shallow waters of where you are? Or do you long for a deeper experience in God? Simon, push out where it's a little deeper. Let down your nets to catch some fish. Now, notice he required something of Simon Peter. Sometimes we say, Lord, we just want the fish to jump out of the water into our boats. Do you know that God will require you to participate in your own transformation? God requires us to do something, to cooperate with him. Sometimes we say, God, do it for me. He says, no, I want to do it with you. Push out to the deeper waters. Let down your net to catch some fish. Verse 5, Master, Simon Peter replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. Here's the second thing. Once we make ourselves available to the purposes of God, then the second step is extremely important. It's called obedience. We've got to obey 
God. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when we don't understand. Now listen, Peter was the professional fisherman. He could have made a whole lot of excuses when Jesus says, go out to the deep. It just finished an un unsuccessful mission, hadn't caught a single thing. He could have said, Jesus, you're a carpenter. I'm the fisherman. Leave the fishing to me. Jesus, we tried. I'm tired. We, we've already quit for the, for the night, for the day. We're washing our nets. I don't want to go back out there again. Jesus, don't you know that you're supposed to fish in shallow waters at night, not out in the deep during the day? Peter could have said all of those things, but he ends up saying, we'll do so because of what you've said. Peter was willing to try again because Jesus said to do it. Let me ask you this. What is Jesus telling you to try again? And will you do it because he said so? Parents, how many of you have ever, ever had to use that analogy with your kids? You want them to do something. You tell them to do something. They refuse to do it, and then they want to know why. And you say, because I said so. <laughs> and if you refuse, we might have a little powwow. I'll go pow, and you'll go wow. That was kind of how it worked in my house. I don't know if, if anybody can identify. Obedience is not always convenient. Listen to me. Listen to me. Obedience is not always convenient. What Jesus was asking Peter to do was very inconvenient. Can I tell you, when God says to walk in holiness and purity, it's not always convenient. When God says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, be honorable to God with your body, that's not always convenient. When God says you know, uh, faithfulness in the tithe, you know, the 10%, honoring God with, with the best part of everything that you've produced, that's not always convenient. But here, I want to give you some, some this is a great revelation as it relates to obedience. This hit me this week as I was praying and preparing. There's, there's tremendous beauty in obedience. When you obey God, whatever it is that he's asking of you, faithfulness, holiness, purity, finances, when you obey God, then you are now free to trust God with the outcome. You have no responsibility when it comes to results. The outcomes are on him. Obedience is our responsibility. Faithfulness to his promise that's up to God. I mean, I mean, think about it. When God says, obey me in the tithe, okay, Lord, it may be inconvenient. Man, it may not make sense. Man, I may struggle to do it. But if I honor you with that 10%, then I can walk away saying, Lord, my bills are not my responsibility. You promised that you would open up the windows of heaven. You said that you would take care of me. It's not my name that's at stake. It's yours. I've obeyed you, and I'm putting the results squarely on your shoulders. Are you with me? When you obey God in sexual purity, personal holiness, you don't have to take any responsibility for the outcomes. You can say, Lord, now you got to do your part. And I promise you, if we make a commitment to do our part, he will always do his part. 
God is true. This word and what he has said about his promises to us, we can be guaranteed. Listen, it didn't make any sense for Peter to go out a second time. Let me tell you this. When God tells you to do something, uh, uh, let me say it this way. When God tells you to do something that doesn't make sense, it's to set you up to see something that doesn't make sense. I want you to connect the dots here. The supernatural is tied up in our commitment to obey God even when it doesn't make sense. Sometimes there are things that are hard to explain, and we'll say, well, I'm not going to obey it until I fully understand it. Well, you'll never see the supernatural then. Because sometimes God will require things of us. What is it that you need to obey God in? What is it that God's speaking to you in a relationship, in your resources, you know, in your family, in your marriage, at your job? What is it that God has spoken to you? Obedience is a result of trust. If you don't trust God, you'll never obey him. If you don't trust him, you won't obey. But Peter trusted the master, even when he didn't understand. Can I give you a couple of facts? God knows more than we do. He knows something about that water that we don't know. He knows, I mean, I, I, granted, we have information, we have knowledge, but I'm, I'm at a point in my life where I have to just admit, Lord, I don't know everything. You know a whole lot more than I do. God knows more than we do, and guess what? His heart is to bless us. He has our best interest. Notice what it says in verse 6. This time, their nets were so full, so full of fish they began to tear, and a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Notice how Peter goes from frustration to favor. He'd fished on his own, hadn't caught anything. Now he's got so much favor on his life that the boat is sinking. There's tremendous blessings on the other side of obedience. Verse 8, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus. And he says, oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Oh, I love it. Lord, leave me. I'm not even worthy for you to be in this boat. Uh, for he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. Now, notice this. Peter's obedience led to a greater revelation of Jesus. You're, how many of you, you want a greater revelation of the Lord? Uh, Lord, I don't want to just know you. I want to know your ways. God, I want to know you intimately. A greater revelation of Christ is the result of, a, of an obedience to God's word. And notice this. He got a revelation of Jesus, but he also got a revelation of himself. Man, I'm such a sinner. I'm telling you, it puts things in perspective. He falls at the feet of Jesus. Oh, Lord, give us greater revelation. And finally, the Bible says this. Look at verse 10. Then his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. The third thing, and I think this is extremely important, not only is it about making yourself available. God, would you step into the spaces and places of my life? I don't want to be so preoccupied and so busy doing my own thing. Lord, step in. 
God, have your way. A commitment to obey, even when you don't understand, even when it doesn't make sense. But I, I think this final portion of the, this calling of Peter says it, says it all. Number three, it requires an all-in commitment. An all-in commitment. The Bible says they left everything and they followed Jesus. Now, here's what's interesting to me. There were so many fish that they caught in that moment that the boats began to sink. They were just sinking in the blessing. That's kind of cool. That's a great thought. Just so loaded down with blessing. Think of the dollar sign attached to that catch. That's probably the the best day Peter ever had on the job. He probably made more money in that one moment than he had in the entirety of his professional fishing career. And the scripture gives no indication that he took any of it with him. Now, I thought about this. If that's me, if I just made that catch and Jesus is calling me, hey, I know you've been fishing for fish. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to turn you into a fisher of men. I'd be like, Lord, I'm coming. But see this right here? Let me cash this in real quick. I, I got to stop by the bank. I'll get to you. I'll meet you over there on Jerusalem Avenue. But I got to stop by the, the, the first Galilean bank just for a minute. Because I, I, I'm, I'm going to make sure I, I capitalize, I cash in on this moment. And yet the scripture gives no indication. The Bible says they left everything. What do you mean? That moment was so good, you're going to walk away from it? Yes. Because what he was pursuing was more valuable than what he had just caught. The value of selling out to Jesus. Are you sold out to him? Let me ask you this. What, what do you need to abandon so that you can fully follow Christ? What, what are the things that you're chasing or maybe that you've even succeeded at that God's saying, hey, that's valuable, but there's, there's nothing more valuable than me. Sometimes even good things will stand in the way of the best things. And when it comes to the call of God, I think that the first step for the Apostle Peter, it is the same for us. It's saying yes to Jesus with an all-in commitment. I mean, when the settlers first discovered America, when they landed on the shores of America, there was a phrase called burn the boats. What does that mean? There is no going back. And some of us have some boats that maybe we need to burn so that we can move forward in the fullness of our calling in Christ. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.